What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Offside with me, Taylor Twelman. What a game I had last night. St. Louis City hosting LAFC. Pivotal match in the Western Conference playoff race. This weekend, I'm going back to Philly for LAFC and their rematch of the MLS Cup last season against the Philadelphia Union. And again, LAFC will be back at it next Wednesday, Campione's Cup, where the reigning MLS champions, LAFC, will host Liga Mekis champions, Tigres, for a clash for the Campione's Cup crown. You can watch the Campione's Cup live on MLS Season Pass Wednesday night. Kickoff is September 27th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock Pacific. But today is not about Hollywood. It is not about the stars. It's not about L.A. It's about the original, the Columbus Crew. In terms of American soccer, the Columbus Crew, they're an institution. And in terms of this season, I get it. They're in the playoffs. But I actually think they could win it all. Now, you're going to say a lot of teams can win it all. But unlike a lot of teams, they're the first pro team of any sport in their city. And since the beginning, they've been a proven ground for the players, the managers, and I think most importantly, the ideas that have shaped this league for the last 27 years. So on this week's show, I wanted to spend some time with the crew from top to bottom, but mainly I'm just going to be honest. It was an excuse to sit down who I think is the best manager and most interesting manager in this league, Will Fernancy. To be a good coach, what I've learned so far is you have to be vulnerable. And at the same time, we all have talent and the difference is going to be details. And I've also said before, and we'll say it again and again, Columbus Crew was my transfer window winner. So for today's episode, I also chatted with new guy to the team, Julian Gressel. Oh, this is like a really different type of football, a different type of soccer that we play. He seems to have these, you know, ideas evolving around the ball, trying to have the ball, trying to manipulate the opponent to create attacking sequences, scoring opportunities, all these things. And it's something that I didn't really have since Tata. And to tie this all together, we needed the guy that made a lot of these decisions, crew president Tim Bezpachenko, about how he and these other guys got to Columbus, where the crew have been, how and why they got rid of their face of the franchise, and what the heck Wilfred Nancy is cooking up behind the scenes. It is the fan of me that drives the passion, but I really have to take that hat off most of the time, you know, 90 per 95% of the time. <laughs> And really just think in a rational way, because fandom is in many ways irrational. This episode, it's going to be a little different. I think a little bit more fun, because we get into the weeds. A bit of a deep dive into this new era of the Columbus crew. Who they are today, where their owners are taking them, how they got here. I think you're going to love it. You grew up in Westerville, Ohio, which is, what, 20 minutes north of Columbus. You were a fan of the crew back in the late 90s. But what's interesting, Tim, for our listeners, is you came right at the beginning of the quote-unquote new era, joining as president after the Save the Crew movement. 
just start right there. You know, thinking about that time back in 2018, 2019, it was complicated actually because, you know, working, my work hat on, I was in Toronto, Toronto FC. I worked at the league office. Yep. But growing up in Columbus, my parents are still longtime season ticket holders, day one season ticket holders. And so watching the Save the Crew movement, what happened with previous ownership through 2017 and 2018, it was difficult. Columbus Crew SC is one of the original franchises of Major League Soccer, but the team's future here in Columbus now stands in jeopardy. We have team coverage for you tonight of Crew SC's potential move to Austin, Texas. The crew meant so much to this city, and we saw it transpire where the fans really galvanized around this city, and, and we had the governor's support. But it was strange because we were playing against Columbus in the playoffs in 2017, and and they were in the middle of a crisis moment, and and the team rallied around it, and that was a difficult series. And fast forward, the Haslam's, the Edwards ownership stepped up and kept the team in Columbus. The state of Ohio and the city of Columbus are dropping a lawsuit that sought to stop the Columbus crew from moving to Texas. And this clears the way for a deal to transfer the team to new owners. The group includes Cleveland Browns owner Jimmy Haslam and longtime crew team doctor Peter Edwards Jr. I think what you're seeing now is is the fruits of the labor and the vision of ownership of the city believing in this club. You know, we have 13 sellouts, 12 consecutive, and in a place where people said they didn't support the team. Yep. I mean, Tim, what was it when you took over the Columbus crew? Was it exciting? Nerves, both pressure, privilege. What was it when you took over the Columbus crew? It was it was it was all of the above. But when we came in in 2019, we had an incredible project in front of us, an incredible opportunity to build a new stadium downtown and a new training ground. And so the project went to work right away. Now, we did have a, a very good roster. You know, we had a solid roster from the previous regime. And so we knew it's something to work with. But there were a lot of distractions in, in terms of what you're building alongside. You're sort of flying the plane and you're repairing at the same time. And we felt like entertaining brand of soccer was the most aligned with what we wanted to do in our one club model. Bez came to Columbus in 2019 alongside new coach Caleb Porter. Being the head coach here is a realization of a dream. Obviously, that's just the beginning. The real dream is to now come here and be successful and to win trophies. Together, Bez and Porter finished 10th in the East in their first year, missing the playoffs. But in year two, 2020, they won it all. Following that MLS Cup championship, difficult times. They finished ninth again in 2021, missing the playoffs. And then last season, 2022, the crew finished eighth in the East, missing the playoffs back-to-back -back season. And Bez knew he needed a new coach. You had to find Caleb Porter's successor. And Caleb Porter won MLS Cup in 2020. But at the end of his tenure was also the end of the roster getting older, and it was difficult to manufacture something out of that. You guys were close, but not good enough. How the hell did you pull off Wilfred Nancy out of Montreal? There's, there's a short list of coaches who know the game, know MLS, who play the style that we wanted to execute on, and that were also you know able to communicate principles and personal values that align with what we're trying to do here in Columbus. So are they clear communicator? Do they have a growth mindset? Personal values, this conviction about 
being able to withstand the pressure and be disciplined about the game model, even in, in trying times, which we all experience as we know in the MLS season. And then kind of evolving into how do they motivate players? What is their identity in terms of style of play? Talking about our current needs of our squad and, and our roster, right? And we felt like Clearly, Wilfried was in that model and was very high up in the list, was at the top, really. Yeah, you're just a lover of the French accent. No lie. <laughs> we have a lot of, I, I'm almost getting outnumbered here. I think I'm the only American. <laughs> I have Scottish, many French, couple Canadians. Uh -huh. But, you know, I think everyone, there's a love for this country, regardless of, of nationality, for sure. I need to learn Absolutely. French. Absolutely. Wilfred Nancy came to the crew last December with only two years of MLS head coaching experience. But in those two seasons, his Montreal teams played a daring style of soccer that exploded from deep positions. Oh, the control here! It's a winner! It's a stunner! It's Joel Waterman! Mihailovic from distance! Oh my goodness! Georgie Mihailovic ties it up for Montreal! What a strike! What a comeback! Wow. What a goal! Does he fancy himself? Two extraordinary strikes for CF Montreal here at Soldier Field, a 15th goal of the season for Ramel Kyoto. He had a distinct and realized imagination of how to play the game. And the roots of that aggressive style started all the way back in the 90s when he was a center back in the lower divisions of French football. I was a centre-back, I was not fast, I was uh, good technically and tactically, and uh, I wanted to have emotion on the pitch, to be on the same page with my teammates. This is the way I live, and for me, the, the connection, the correlation between of the pitch and on the pitch, this is important because uh, I have to be true to myself, and that's why what you see on the pitch, this is uh, the way I, I am as a person. And because of that, I was able to do uh, my own uh, minestrone soup. What Wilfred is alluding to, though, is his managerial philosophy. He's a manager who sees something to be learned in every player, in every experience, and at every level. I started to coach around 23 years old. I was coaching the U12, the U14, and, and so on. I coached also the U14 girls because I wanted to understand the way they think and the, the difference with the, the, the men. And uh, I, I did all the categories. And for me, if I knew that I would not play in first division, so I started to uh, study a lot, all kind of football, to understand why they play like this, why they do that. And because of that, I was able to do uh, my own uh, minestrone soup. And, uh, <laughs> and this, is, uh, this is the way I see football. And for me, I wanted to get the same idea with my players now. I, this is what I want to do. I want to go back down memory lane for a little bit because our listeners don't know a lot about you, but you grew up as a child in a military family. You were moving around from port to port. I, what did soccer, football provide you while you were moving around a lot during your developmental years? I'm, I'm really grateful to, to spend uh, all this time, you know, traveling around the world because uh, the, um, a soccer team or a team is a... Uh, micro society and and, yeah. and for me you know a lot of people everybody use the the word respect but this is for me this is really deep because the players and also the human being behind the players understand why the word respect is really important because 
I can understand more the culture of everyone. I try to have a lot of empathy with uh, my players, but also I'm really demanding with them. Yep. And and for me, this is a give and take, but in a good way, not in a bad way, you know. And it's been clear about the ways I wanted to give emotion to the fan, to give emotion to the city, mm-hmm. to to move forward with a clear identity. And and for me, I do this job also for the fan. I do this job also to write a story. Yes, we want to win trophies like everyone, but my point is also to write a story. And it was the good place to write a, a good story. Well, That's why a great I, place, Wilfred. And I think of Lower dot com field. Go back to that home opener, March fourth against DC United. Emotionally, were you surprised at all at how good that atmosphere is in Columbus? It's fantastic. Uh, I, I was surprised to be honest with you. I knew because wh- wh- when I came with Montreal, when I put my feet on the pitch, I said, "Wow." This stadium, yep. I want to attack, just attack, attack, try to win with the ball back and attack, <laughs> create emotions, you know. And the first game was amazing because the fans, and I like the energy. I like the energy and also they're able to to understand what I want to put and what I, what we want to do on the pitch. And there is, you know, connection with the fans. It's really important for me because, like I told you, I do this job also for that, to create emotions. Since his first game, I found myself tuning into every game that Nancy coached, every moment. I couldn't look away, the ideas, the intent. Nancy was doing really interesting things that very few of us saw. Cucho Hernandez as a winger, not a striker, because he loves to run or stretch the back line. How about a ball-playing midfielder at center back because he wants to dominate possession in spacing? But the team was still just okay. I get it, tough Eastern Conference, but they weren't running away with anything. But then Julian Gressel, who started this season in Vancouver, told me players around the league were seeing something too. From the outside, what were your impressions of Will Nancy? And now that you're on the inside, were those impressions the same or has anything changed? From the outside, they were the same as you. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were the same as like, wow, this is a really different type of football, a different type of soccer that we play. He seems to have these, you know, ideas evolving around the ball, trying to have the ball, trying to manipulate the opponent to create attacking sequences, scoring opportunities, all these things. And it's something that in terms of a coach, I feel like I didn't really have since Tata. With Wilfred, it's really all over the pitch where, yeah, it's super interesting, the idea behind trying to take a pause at times and and letting the opponent come to you and then playing the ball at the right time with the right timing. Yeah, it's it's very, very intriguing, very cool way to play soccer, I think. And very It's got to be so exciting because you know every single game that manager is preparing you, you're going to go for it every single time. I mean, how many teams in this league can honestly say that? It's very few. Every single game, yeah. he's only worried about his team and making sure they're going for it for 90 minutes. Is that fair or do I have that wrong? No, that's 100% fair. Uh, I think it, it may sound a little bit cocky at times because you don't, really, you don't really worry about the opponent as much, but I don't really think it's cockiness. I think it's just you worry about what you can produce and what your abilities are as a team, knowing that if you are bringing that forward and you're bringing your quality, that you can outplay anybody. The one thing I love about Wilfred Nancy, and it may drive you a little nuts being the president of the operation, he goes for it every single time. There is a quiet confidence. It's not an arrogance and it's not cockiness. And week in and week out, every single time Columbus plays, I want to watch because Wilfred Nancy is setting the players up in the system up 
to go for it. Am I reading the tea leaves right from afar or, or is it a little bit more? No, nuanced no, it's, it, it's not. You know, it, a lot of times things boil down to simple principles and, and bravery is one that Wilfried wears the badge of honor. And and there's a fine line between obviously bravery and, and maybe, you know, and stupidity, stupidity and I ignorance. Agree. I, agree. Um, I was more ignorant, yeah. by the way, than brave, just so you know. <laughs> and arrogance, maybe. <laughs> but when you talk to Wilfried, you understand the plan behind it. This idea of adapting to the game and his ability not just to set up the team in this way, but to adapt on the fly in-game. But as thrilling as Nancy's system can be from an attacking perspective, it's also left the team exposed defensively. And to Nancy, though, that's part of the process. When I took the team, the first things that we did with my staff was to, to put complex exercise. Yep. Because we wanted them to fail. Just for them to understand that this is the part of the game. You, this is part of life. You, how are you going to react to, uh, with, with that? And, and yes, I know that we have to win games, but at the end of the day, you have to express yourself. So try, try. And for me, it was really important for them to understand that because, yes, I like to give freedom, but freedom within the structure. He's very methodical in terms of the structure, in terms of who we want to be within the structure. Yes. And I think that's kind of our mindset where, yeah, we go forward every game. We try and impose our style every single game, home or away. It doesn't matter. We're a lot of teams in this league. They're like, okay, home games, we got to win. In a way, we kind of just got to try and hold on for a tie and that'll yep. get us into the yep. playoffs. But here it's really about, no, it, it doesn't matter. Home or away, you know, we go for it, we try and play our game. And, and that is something that, that I absolutely love. Yeah, I mean, if for the listeners at home, if I could show you Julian's face right now, there's a smile from ear to ear because he's playing in a system where he's also expected to thrive. There's nothing better as an athlete you're the best crosser of the ball in this league, a league that now includes Lionel Messi. I get what I'm saying here, but you've, you are you excited about that? I mean, yeah. I, I yes. think the, the system we play at the moment here sets me up, I think, to be in a really, really good spot, you know, week in and week out, to be able to have a final pass, have a final cross. And crossing is not always just in the air. It's about trying to assist and trying to you know, m manipulate almost a defender in the, in the back line in a way where then you can just make a final pass. It's not a it's not a cross, you know. Cross just means you're maybe on the right side a little bit more and then play it into the middle rather than in the air all the time. So I think the system, the way we play, sets a lot of our attacking players up to be very, very successful. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm obviously a part of that and I'm excited. I'm, I'm generally really excited to continue growing and, and to be able to see the game in a different way again, and then that's something I think you want to be in as not just an athlete, but in any type of job you do, I think. How would you describe Julian Gressel's profile and why is he such a natural fit to your system? This is my little become. Why? Because he's not fast. He's not slow. This is not a dribbler but he's able to deliver good ball at the right moment in front of the line or behind the line. But sometimes, no, we have to keep the ball. And we have to keep the ball because we have to have the time to move together as a team and to control a little bit more the game and to recognize when we have to attack in behind or when we have to keep the ball. Julian was only one of four new faces brought into Columbus this summer in what was the first transfer window of Nancy's tenure something that had been circled on Nancy and Tim Bezbachenko's calendar since day one. He was 
pretty clear, and we we made the decision together, but he did want to evaluate the roster, take some time, take the first few months of the year to see what we had. And I think that was a testament to our group. Crew 2 is just coming off a championship year. We have a number of players we thought were talented, and we wanted to give them a shot, and we wanted to spend time first part of the year doing it. I wanted to wait, you know, I wanted to wait to assess the team. Uh, yes, I could have made a lot of changes, but I didn't want to do it because, again, new methodology, new way to play and so on. Now, you don't have a whole lot of time if you're not successful at the beginning in MLS, but we did want to be brave and bold and, and set our identity early with that. But there were certain aspects of our roster that we wanted to adjust. You know, in life, uh, uh, this is not about time, minutes, hours. This is about moments. And mm -hmm. and the moment came, you know, for Lucas. Lucas, when I was in Montreal, I said, for me, <laughs> Lucas, this is one of the best players of the league. We know that. So, for sure. So, I really enjoyed working with him. And I think he enjoyed also because he, he told me and I, I had the feeling that he was happy on the pitch. And yes, the opportunity came for the club, but also for him, he accepted that. At the same time, the way we work with the club, we like to think ahead. Along with Zella Ryan, the club's leading goalscorer and former MLS Cup MVP, the crew transferred out a World Cup veteran center back in his prime and its highest paid goalkeeper. Yet somehow, they got better. To Tim, it's been a series of moves over the past few seasons that have come together to bring in Gressel and the three other summer acquisitions. Very early on, there were certain aspects of our roster that we wanted to adjust. One was getting younger. We were second oldest last year, and now we're fourth youngest or roughly around there. We made big moves along the way. Jonathan Mensa, our captain, moving him to San Jose, which probably he didn't know it at the time, and we didn't, but probably the best thing for him because of the style, what we were trying to evolve toward. I mean, we, Pedro Santos and, and, J and Jossie Zardes, these are all big decisions kind of led toward the Lucas Zellerion move in the summer as we evolved to be younger. Specifically in terms of Lucas, we never would have done it at that time unless we knew we were going to get Diego. Lucas was the face of our ambition, of our ownership, of the stadium, of going down to Tigris and getting a player from a top club. You know, we feel like this is more of emblematic of being unified, of sort of we, not me, all these, these principles that it's about the collective and not the individual. But what exactly describes what these new crew players, Gressel, Rossi, Camacho, Shaburko, what do they share? What connects all of them? Effort, audacity, and brain. And why do you say audacity? Because the way we want to manipulate the opposition, we need players to be audacious. And yep. you know, within this structure, I give the freedom. Yes, 99% have to respect the structure and what they have to do at the moment. But for me, the 1% is this is the most important because this is the decision making in the moment. And for me, we need audacious players to be able to understand this 1%. You know, yes, the DP is really important, but at the same time, you have to choose the right one. Yes. Not in terms of quality, in terms of person. And for me, Diego, this is a typical example that is humble, confident, 
and uh, also is a good player. He has a really good work ethic, and we needed that day to day to help the team to to be better. And Julian also, Rudy Camacho also, Sheba is a new player. He knows the, he doesn't know the league. Mm -hmm. But again, the way we work as a team, front office and my staff and I, spot on, spot on. And that's why I really enjoyed. Now this year, the crew have had more possession, more touches in the opponent's penalty box, more progressive passes per 90 minutes than any other team in the league. And the players they brought in are tailor-made to make the best use of that ball. You move on from your phase, Zellerayan. You bring in Diego Rossi, then Gressel, then Camacho, then Shebenko. Listen, I get what Inter Miami and Messi are about. I get it. And it's going to take the headlines. But Tim, I said it when Miami did their business and you did yours. I think Columbus equally as much so changed the complexion of their team, the league, and the conference in this transfer window. Is that pressure? To you, to hear me say that? I mean, I, I appreciate those words. I'm not sure it rises the level of Messi and, and Miami. and But certainly we we had our work cut out for us and, and it was a busy window, probably busier than we expected. We've been looking for a different player in the wing. We were overseas. We were very close to a player in Europe on the wing before we realized that Greg Gressel was going to become available and his desire to kind of come closer east to, to family. But it was... Um, you know, transformational for sure, but it, it wasn't a hard decision at, at the end because we had already gone through the process of communicating, here are our needs, here are the, the changes we have to make. You're prepared to make that decision. The coaches involved clearly, our whole staff, ownership, and it's a unified effort and it, it pays dividends as we're in this final stretch run toward the playoffs. The pressure, I think it's good pressure. I think- I agree. It, it is always- a challenge in our league because we 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 highlight certain teams and 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 I do think there are so many teams in our league to highlight and so we kind of flew under the radar given the the Miami uh, news which is fine for us and we want to make news and create a stir you know when it matters which is in the playoffs. Now Tim said it up top: the crew brand is entertainment, and with Nancy, they're going to win games four three more than they are one nil. But opening games up in the manner that they do, it will leave them exposed. And so the question for me is this. Is this a style of play that can win an MLS Cup and capture fans' attention along the way in spite of that defensive liability? Tim, oftentimes I think us as a society, and it's okay, but success is only defined by trophies. And yet, I think that's difficult because then that means... That's only one of 29 teams in Major League Soccer is successful. How do you define success? <laughs> that is a conversation, actually, that goes all the way up to ownership. Like, I can define it, but it has to reflect what our ownership and our fans want. And where I tap into the fan in me is is the passion for the sport yep. and yep. this idea that we can take Columbus to the world through the global game, right? OSU football, love it, never went there, but I'm a fan just being from Columbus. But it's not a global sport, and and soccer is. And with the World Cup coming in a few years, we can really highlight this city. And so the fan in me, it's not just the fan of the sport, but it's the fan of the city. So to answer your question, for us, it's MLS Cup. It's MLS yep. Cup, it's playoffs, and getting that next star in our, above our crest. 
you won MLS Cup in Atlanta. Can this team win MLS Cup this year? I think if we're at our best, we can we can beat anybody in this league, and I think we can win MLS Cup. Yeah, we know we all have qualities in, in certain types of areas, but at the same time, you have to kind of come together and go through experiences together to really be 100% on the same page. How would you define success in 2023 for the Columbus crew? Um, Does it need to have a trophy at the end? No. No for me, because um, at the end of the day, I believe the objective is to try to reach greatness. Can we be on the same page at the same moment? When we defend, the same. When we do the offensive or defensive mm -hmm. transition, the same. And for me, is to try to reach that. And the fact that we're going to be able to reach that, we're going to maximize our chance to get a trophy. And the consequence is going to be the trophy or to win, for sure. I want to have trophy like everyone, but this is not my motivation. My motivation is how we do things every day and why we do what we do and how we can all the time challenge the player to 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 be better and also challenge the player uh, the person to be better also this is for me this is the way i think there you have it a brief look into the crew these days also the fanboy and me loved will for nancy for about 40 minutes i could have done that for another hour but we actually hope to sit down with a couple more teams like this this season and get to know them a bit better let me know some of those teams that you think deserve attention. Call me, text me, email me anytime. Shoot me a message, 646-571-8496. That's 646-571-8496. You can email me at offsidepodwithtaylor at gmail.com. Saturday, I'll be in Philadelphia for the Union and LAFC. Next Wednesday, LAFC and Tigres in Campiones Cup, which you can watch live at 8 o'clock Pacific time. 11 o'clock Eastern time on MLS season pass and same night, Messi and Miami go for their second trophy, the U S open cup final against the Houston dynamo. See you then. Offside with Taylor Twelman is a major league soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and rain delay media. Our executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. John was our editor. Michael Janot was our engineer Jonah Buchanan is our associate producer. Jonah and Iggy were our researchers. Music was composed by Brian Decker. And I'm your host, Taylor Twelman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcast. Wait, you're a golfer? How do I not know this? I, I don't know, but I try. I try to play. I'm, I'm not good as you, but uh, yeah, golf for me, this is really important. You know, this is only me and, and the ball and uh, because I, I give a lot to everyone and I, yep. I need to... To be with myself and the golf for and me. And you need to get away from everyone else and not rely on anyone exactly. else and just do you. There's exactly. nothing better. That's why golf for me, this is uh, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna play every day because now I cannot play. As you know, this is long. I, I need four hours and to say to tell my wife that I'm, I'm gonna play <laughs> golf and uh, we travel a lot. Uh, no, this is not good. So yeah. <laughs>